You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition on Thursday with Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Bills. I got a guy I got a lot of respect for on the line right now and uh, on YouTube if you're watching. Joe Marino from Locked On Bills and, of course, the Draft Network. What's up, Joe? What's going on, Tony, man? Looking forward to uh, this conversation. Always enjoy talking ball with you. Absolutely. We're just going to get right into it. Uh, the Bills are coming into this game as a Super Bowl favorite. They have an offensive coordinator that a lot of people think should have been our head coach in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 1-6, and six, and uh, absolutely a week later, they're looking around now wondering if this is the right thing to do when just a week ago they were saying we're seeing progress. So got a lot to decipher here. We're going to jump right into it early here, but we got to let everybody know that today's show obviously is brought to you by McDonald's. Man, McDonald's has been a part of our community for a long time. It's a great meeting place for all of us to get together and have some good food. McDonald's, make sure you go by and check them out, and we're all loving it. So, Joe, what is going on with Buffalo, man? Y'all riding high. It's, you know, lately, the last couple of years has been like this, but for a long time, you guys were sort of in the situation that the Jacksonville Jaguars are in right now where you just scratch your head trying to get it figured out, and it seems like with the leadership they have now, they've absolutely done that. Yeah, 17-year playoff drought is uh, what this team went through, and then Sean McDermott was hired in 2017, and in year one, he ended the drought, and that was great to see the team get to the playoffs. Unfortunately, the season lost. Ended with a loss to the Jaguars in the playoffs. I'm sure we all remember that game. And then the Bills took their medicine in 2018 with some salary cap hell that they had to get out of. And then last couple of years, it's really been about building a championship caliber team, uh, 10 and 6 and playoffs in 2019, 2020. We all know 13 and 3. They got to the AFC championship game and they've paid their dues. That's what I've kind of been preaching here is that the Bills have paid their dues. They've They've had their playoff losses. They went to the AFC Championship game and lost, and now it's time for them to to kind of cash in and um, meet some really high expectations for this year. And so far, so good. The team's playing well on both sides of the ball. They lead the team, the NFL in scoring. They lead the league in fewest points allowed, scoring efficiency, turnover differential. And so they maybe haven't played the most challenging schedule, but this isn't college basketball. You don't get to pick your schedule. And to the Bills' credit, the games that they're winning, they're winning in convincing fashion. And so while maybe you're not that impressed by a 35 to nothing win over the Dolphins or a 40 to nothing win over the Texans, other teams aren't beating those teams like that, you know? And so the Bills can only play the teams on their schedule. It doesn't get tougher. You know, the Bills have a date with the Buccaneers later in the season. Yeah. The Saints and Colts are probably their next two hardest games. And then, you know, it's it's teams like the Jaguars and a couple against the Jets and the Falcons. And so um if, if that's going to be the narrative surrounding this team, I think they're okay with that. They just want to be the best team on the field every Sunday, stack wins, and uh, hopefully play some football in February this year. Sometimes your first impression of a team or the first thing that you come up with <clears throat> isn't a good thing. Of course, making us, the Bills and Jaguars, your first listen every day does here on Lockdown Jaguars. But the, the first thing that comes to mind is when they hire McDermott, people will go, who, what? And it's not sexy. And then when you think about it, no one remembers. They're the team that actually traded the draft picks to Kansas City so yep. they can take Patrick Mahomes. So then you'd go, if you saw Mahomes winning the MVP and winning the Super Bowl, you're like, what? The Bills <laughs> did that? You know, it's almost like 
the Bulls, I mean, the Portland Trailblazers not taking Michael Jordan, but upon further review, I said this earlier this year, if you listen to the description that everyone has of Patrick Mahomes, but you watch that Monday night game when the Chiefs and the Bills played, you'd think the guy that they were actually talking about was Josh Allen. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, man, Patrick Mahomes might be a victim of his own success, right? His big-time numbers and expectations are high. He's getting paid all that money, and I'm sure that there's a big part of him that feels some urgency to continue to put up high you know, stats, big-time stats being in the NFL MVP race, and I, I think he's just having a hard time right now just doing the normal stuff, right? Just play football, play work within the, the structure of the offense and quit chasing the big plays and doing unorthodox things, just make normal throws. And I think that's that's gotten in the way of Patrick Mahomes this year. And, and they're not very deep when it comes to their weapons, right? They have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And then what else? That That's it, right? I mean, they just don't have a ton of options. And so when teams are not respecting your ability to run the football and they're flooding the passing lanes and you don't have more than two were the options to go to with the football, it really limits that offense, and Patrick Mahomes is not doing a good enough job of taking what that offense, the defense is giving him. But I know you didn't ask me a question to talk about no. Patrick Mahomes. This is about Josh Allen. This is about Run Sean McDermott. And, and um, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a splashy hire, and that's okay with me because they made the splashy hire with Rex Ryan before <laughs> Sean right. McDermott. So give me the boring guy. Give me the guy that's a, a leader, right, a CEO type that's going to come in and establish culture and be a coach that – uh, people want to follow and get behind, and I think that's exactly what's happened uh, under Sean McDermott, where he's really established a culture. Uh, it's a situation where this team is a tight knit group. They love each other. They care about each other. They're they're connected off the field. Their families are tight with each other. Um, the Pagulas, the owners, have put in the money in terms of building you know world class facilities in terms of training and uh, the best weight room in the NFL, the best recovery facilities in the NFL, and. Sean McDermott preaches that he wants Buffalo to be a place where players come and they, they're they the best version of themselves. And I think we've seen that, whether it's been Cole Beasley or Steph Diggs or John Brown or Daryl Williams or you know, whatever player they bring in, they do that. And I think it's because of the culture. It's because of the resources committed to player development and injury prevention. And obviously, there's good talent. There's good coaching. And you have a really nice recipe for sustained success and obviously – one of the big catalysts for that is the Bills hitting on Josh Allen. And yeah, you're right. The Bills traded away from Patrick Mahomes and they got an extra first round pick and they traded back and got Trey White, who's one of the best five cornerbacks in the NFL, got the extra draft pick they needed to move up from in the 20s to get to seven to get Josh Allen. And uh, it looks like some really smart choices along the way here to build a, a team that has one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and one of the best coaching staffs and all the talent Brandon Bean has assembled throughout the years. The Bills are in really good shape to have a window that's open for a while. And, you know, you obviously want to cash in, and they certainly have a good chance to do that this year. Now, you, this this podcast, this show is probably going to be the greatest one I've ever recorded. And the reason why is because what you just described the Bills doing is exactly what Urban Meyer said he wants to do. Strength and performance, culture, they're building a new facility here. They got it approved through the city council. He's talking about making this a destination place. He's talking about players sticking together. They got a quarterback that I think is super talented that they hit on. So either Jaguar fans, we're going to find out in segment two, but either Jaguar fans are happy and relieved that 
we're talking about it. The results not showing up right away, and they've heard every single thing that you just said about the Buffalo Bills. That's good. That Urban Meyer has said out of his mouth is either that, or they're going to say, "Yeah, but Urban isn't Sean McDermott," and so he's talking all of these things and he's saying all of these things, but. It doesn't mean that the results going to happen because he says he wants to be the best in the league at strength and performance and conditioning. And it sounds like Buffalo is saying the same thing. And so one of the things that I've been harping on is this. He ain't the only one that knows how to lift weights and get doctors in here and do all of those things. Other people are doing the very same things that he's saying. So now the Jaguar fans are scratching their head going, should I be mad or should I be angry or should I be happy? Because Joe Marino says that Buffalo, who's doing well, is saying the same things that Urban Meyer is saying. So in segment two, I'm going to give you the rundown here on what's going on in Jacksonville, man. And I'm going to let you just fire off and then we're going to go into segment three and we're going to um, make some game predictions. So I got to tell you guys about McDonald's, man. McDonald's is the absolute truth. And you can go there with your family. You go there with your friends and eat some good food every single day day mcdonald's has been a staple of the community since 1965 that's about four years before i was born i know i'm showing my age here joe but they've done it man they've had that quality service for an awful long time so you can head to your mcdonald's to refuel and connect i like going by in the morning when i'm reviewing my paperwork for the podcast and having a nice McCafe and going over all of the comments that you guys leave for me in the comment section of course it's a place where friends and family can come in and reconnect a place where classmates can meet up for study groups knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. My personal favorite are the nuggets with the hot mustard sauce. And you try it, you're going to slap somebody, I'm telling you. So make sure you check out your local McDonald's and head to your McDonald's and refuel and connect. You know what? I'm absolutely loving it. And I want to holler at you about GetUpside also, man. GetUpside is the cold hard truth. It is an app where you can actually save gasoline. Really? You can save money on gas. 25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time you fill up, no gimmicks. You just download the GetUpside app in your app store or on Google Play. And you do that right now. If you use the promo code touchdown, you're going to save 25 cents for every gallon. And then on the initial fill up, you're going to save an additional 25%, 25 cents per gallon. So that's 50 cents on your first fill up when you use the app uh, called GetUpside and the promo code, which is touchdown. Now, I know everybody likes saving money. I hope so. And you can do this right now with no gimmicks. And that money will be in your account until you want to unload it back into your bank account or uh, through your PayPal account or e-gift card or Amazon or other brands. The app is called GetUpside. You can find it in your app store or your Play Store on Google Play. And the promo code is touchdown. Start saving gas right now, 25 cents per every gallon, 50 cents for your first pickup. Joe Marino, Locked On Bills, joined by my good friend Tony Wiggins, Locked On Jaguars, and got a fascinating team down there in Jacksonville to cover, a lot going on, and I think I do want to start with Urban Meyer and, and get your, your your thoughts on the direction of the team and you know, just marrying his past and what's happened throughout the college football world, giving him this franchise, right, with all the draft capital that they have, all of the free agent dollars, Trevor Lawrence sitting there to be the number one pick and entrusting this to a guy that has had a lot of success, success in college, but there's been controversy, Tony, man, everywhere he's been, there's been controversy and we've already seen it happen in Jacksonville. So I'd, I'd like your real honest thoughts on the direction of this football team under urban Meyer. Uh, 
I'm disappointed. I actually thought what they were getting was that CEO, the program builder. And what it seems like we've gotten here is a little bit of incompetence. A guy that says he studied the league for 10 years, but then he gets here and all of a sudden he realizes that there's more parity. And that he said something after the first three weeks. He said, every week it's Alabama. You didn't know that? I mean, you put enough guys in the league to understand that, you know, you've had a lot of guys that played really well that didn't turn out to be great in the NFL. So you didn't know that this was hard if you studied it for 10 years. Uh, he says it's a three-hour root canal. You didn't know that either. This is just the way it's going to be. A bad team can hang with a good team for a long time. You know, um, it's, it's, it's just baffling to me that they've come out unprepared when they've had time. They came out of, uh, they came out of training camp and got really mollywopped in Houston by the Texans. And then after a bye week, after a bye week, they come out and they play the same type of game they played when the season opened and they get destroyed again this, this past week uh, in Seattle and just look totally unprepared. Let me tell you what happened, Joe. They got 12 men on the field after change of possession. They got a penalty. They had to call a timeout on the next play. There were still 12 guys in the huddle. And it's almost as if they were looking around at each other. So you think he has a big-time coaching staff. He has way more resources than Doug Marone had. He has way more resources in the personnel department than Dave Caldwell had. And it actually looks worse. If you have a 1-15, in 15, uh, uh, Joe, you have a 1-15. in 15, You're a big-time personnel guy who I respect, one of the best in the business. But you have a 1-15 in 15 team. If you draft a guy 45th overall, should he be a healthy scratch? Mm. That's Walker Little. You've been on this for, for a while now, man. It, We've it, talked it, a couple of times about Walker Little and him it, being inactive. Andre Sisco, the third-round pick that they thought had first-round talent, he, he hasn't been a healthy scratch, but he played three plays this week. It's almost as if they're red-shirting guys. Are you good enough to do that? And then are guys good enough to be picked that high if they need to be red-shirted? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Tyson Campbell, who was the first pick in the second round, has no ball skills. Uh, I remember Bill Parcells described one of his players in Dallas. He said it's like a it's like a dog chasing the mail truck. That's what Tyson Campbell looks like. He's he looks like uh just he's just running with the truck. He's not turning around for the ball. And and people have buyer's remorse because they're saying Asante Samuel was on the board and they took Tyson Campbell. Folks are doing this now and they're questioning whether Urban Meyer knows what he's doing from a personnel standpoint. Uh, Tony, let's establish something real quick here. The, the name Doug Marone, we don't we don't mention that. All right, um, so if you could just just avoid, avoid I will. Doing that. Yeah, appreciate I, will. It. I forgot I forgot what Dougie did. That's right. Well, I think Heinz, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we're all very grateful that he right. did that. But man, your coach quit on you, dude. We don't we don't yeah. like Doug. We don't like Doug. So um, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick, all the talent in the world, big time pedigree, build as uh, you know really. I wouldn't. I don't know if generational is a fair word to say, but uh, you know, one of the most sought-after quarterbacks in my lifetime. You know, right. in terms of covering this NFL, and so, what have you learned? What have you learned about Trevor Lawrence so far through what is it, seven starts? Yeah, um, he he's got it in his chest, and uh, you see it. He gets frustrated, and uh, only until recently, until this week, did you see him actually start to get frustrated at receivers and doing that thing where you're pointing at receivers saying you went the wrong way on a bad pick that he had. So I think he's playing a little hero ball right now, and um, 
he has to do that, but he makes some throws, man, that that mm. just that blow your mind. And and I know you guys know that because of Josh. Josh yeah. would Josh would make some throws. There wasn't a question about Trevor's accuracy coming in. And right now he's under 60%. And a lot of that is throwing balls away. He's trying to extend plays. And they're just not getting much separation from the wide receivers. In fact, Urban Meyer said two days ago that the number one thing they need is a separation guy, and 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 they don't have that right now. And they, I guess, they drafted Travis Etienne to be a speed guy, but they're really missing downfield ability to get away from people. So DJ Chark, right? Nice right. to have him, right? But right. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to have him. And I also thought that they might make a, some sort of deal in the trade deadline uh, to bring in one of the older guys just to see what you have in your in your quarterback. But that's not a route that they went. But I think uh, from a film study standpoint, from how he is able to take what he learns in practice and you'll see it actually go on the field and you'll see him play differently the next week. And the way he explains stuff, I think the biggest thing about him right now outside of his obvious physical talent is the fact that the losses haven't gotten into his head to the point where he sounds like a rookie. He still sounds like a veteran who believes that this thing is going to get turned around when the talent gets turned around. Kind of reminds me of Troy Aikman back in 1990. Well, you got to think a guy like Trevor Lawrence – Success has just been there for him every step of the way, high school, college, national championships. And now he's got some adversity, right? For the first time in his football mm -hmm. career where, you know, I don't think anyone's surprised, right? That the Jaguars are not a good football team at this point in their life cycle. Year one under Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, a, a roster that needs work. Like, I don't think anyone's surprised by the results to this point, but for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who has had all the success that he's had literally every step of the way in his football career to have to face some adversity is probably good for him, right? Like the way he's wired, the way his mental makeup is like, he's going to be better for everything that he's going through this year. Just like Josh Allen was back in his rookie season where there were plenty of ups and downs, probably a lot more downs than there were ups. And the, you know, it's, it's all about how you respond and how you come out of that and how you fail forward. And I think Trevor Lawrence is the type of guy that, can do that and especially because he does have those really dynamic physical gifts in terms of size and arm talent and he's a really good runner and I'm surprised he's not running more and that's definitely something that if you watch him at Clemson you're like wow this guy's physical with the ball in his hands he's a good athlete I mean go back to that Ohio State game man this guy's yeah. ripping off runs left and right so I, I'm anxious to see him evolve as a player because he's not he doesn't have limitations right there's nothing he can't do on the field and there is that leadership component that exists and so um, as a draft guy and a, a, just a fan of football, I'm really excited to follow the career of Trevor Lawrence. Now, you mentioned the weapons and not ne necessarily having the separation guys, and I think the Bills learned that lesson as well. You know, year one for for Josh Allen, it was Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes Ooh. as the receivers, brother. I mean, that, we're talking about some clunkers there not being like able to get open. A couple, couple of tight ends, yeah, yeah man. <laughs> so I'm interested in 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 hearing you talk about the weapons that we're going to see on Sunday and. In particular, Jamal Agnew, because you want to talk about a guy that's scary with the ball in his hands and a player that, from an opponent's perspective, studying this game and being concerned about him being an X-factor, Jamal Agnew's that type of player, and I, I see that he's gaining more and more opportunity with this offense. So tell us about Agnew and you know Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault and the running back situation, all that stuff here around uh, Trevor Lawrence. You got it. You, you guys are probably going to avoid the running back because James Robinson has a heel bruise and they don't know what his status is going to be. So you're probably going to get a heavy dose of Carlos Hyde. And um, 
the thing, uh, we'll go in reverse order with the receivers. Marvin Jones is a professional pass catcher. You've seen him. Guys that just know how to find those holes and, and sit down for the quarterback, and he usually catches everything that's thrown to him. So he's been a good football player for him. He's the kind of guy who's going to be a third or fourth receiver on a good team at this point in his career. He used to be a number two. Um Visca Chenault has been a little bit of a disappointment because he's, he's a playmaker. You think of him as sort of a Swiss Army knife. People compared him to uh, Anquan Bolin and Heinz Ward and all of these people. Well, when they put the lights on him, he's dropped some balls in some critical situations. So it's almost as if the ball isn't thrown perfectly. He's not adjusting and he's not going down to get it. And I think he's lost a little bit of his confidence. In terms of Jamal Agnew, you're spot on with him. He, uh, he He's a... He's a breath of fresh air. He's a, he's a Swiss Army knife. The guys play defensive back, running back, wide receiver. And uh, when you watch him play, he this is a name that's familiar to you guys. He kind of reminds you of an early Wes Welker. That's, mm. that's, that's how he moves around. And how More explosive, he, though. Yeah, yeah. And see, they always think that, that guys like that are like, uh, underachieving white guys. Well, Jamal Agnew is that dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, he, if he was a Patriot, by the way, and I know I probably shouldn't mention them to your fans either. Yeah, we don't do that either. But go yeah, ahead. But, but that's what it is. That's that's that dude right there. That's what he is. So the thing with him is the the wide receiver part of his game should be an extra. Now it's something that they're depending on, mm. and that's what bad teams do. You depend on something that should really be icing on the cake and an extra thing for you. And that's not the way to go. Like, I see your guys getting separation, whether it's McKenzie, of course, Diggs and Beasley. All of those guys are real good in short, quick areas, and they find those windows. It's not happening here with the Jaguars. So they, they have, there's some philosophical issues here, too. Sometimes they do stuff that we don't know what they're doing, and that's because Urban said when he got here what he wanted to do was bring some of his things from college and blend it in with Daryl Bevel stuff. And there just seems to be this, this disconnect offensively between them. The one thing I will tell you about Trevor, and I'll just attach this back to what we were saying about him, uh, and this will go into your personnel side. With Gardner Minshew, if they got a pre-snap penalty on first down or a negative play and it was second and whatever, long, we we, we all knew they, they should go ahead and just punt. With Trevor, he could get sacked, and it could be second and 19, and you think they're going to get out of it. That's, mm-hmm. that's just that mm-hmm. mindset. Because yeah, we get it. Because yeah. he, he, no, he's going to throw that little hitch pass and they're going to get nine. It's third and 10. Ain't no problem. 14 yard completion. First down. Let's go. That's the difference uh, in him. But I can only imagine what it's like if you're able to surround him with, yeah. with better talent. Yeah, no question. Uh, let me sneak a question he, in here about Chris Manhurts. I know that's probably not a player you expected to discuss, but he's a, a local, right? For the, for the Bills fans, Canisius College. And, you know, he, he's, had a few stops along the way, but he's kind of developed into one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL. So real quick for the uh, the Buffalo people here on, on uh, Chris Manhurts. Yeah, shout out to the Buffalo people, man. Um, Chris Manhurts came in as a, as a blocking tight end. You know, obviously with they, the athletic profile really fit what Urban Meyer and what Trent Baalke wanted. And the irony is, is the first touchdown that was scored of this season. Everybody say blocking tight end, blocking tight end. If you'd have gone to Vegas, Chris Manhurts would have been one million to one. He mm. caught Urban Meyer, he caught uh, Trevor Lawrence's first touchdown of the year, or right up the scene in in, uh, in Houston. And it was like everyone on Twitter said the same thing. Who would have thought that, and who would have bet that? So what he is is. He is a blocker. He's a big-time blocker who can catch some passes every now and then. But 
Chris Manhurt's uh, claim to fame is he was the guy that in practice in one-on-ones absolutely embarrassed Tim Tebow. And that's when you knew that Tim Tebow <laughs> wasn't going to be. I mean, he, he man, he manhandled him like it was me. And uh, that's when you realize the difference in NFL guys and, and NFL guys who are role players and then a guy who's been on, on TV for nine years. So uh, he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. He's not a, he's not a pass catcher. He's not someone they're featuring. But when you look at their run game and you look at James Robinson averaging just about five yards a carry and you look at the fact that uh, they're able to maul people if they can stay in the games, Chris Manhurts has an awful lot to do with that. He, he's, a, he, he's, a, he's the guy everybody in the franchise really loves to have. Real quick on the, the Jaguars' defense, um, feels like everybody's throwing the ball all over them, right? Really struggling to defend the pass, but they're really good at stopping the run, only allowing 3.7 yards per attempt. That's third best in the NFL, and we're talking about a Jaguars team that's facing plenty of rushing attempts given some of the leads that they've had to deal with and other teams running the football. And so uh, what's making this run defense so good? What's making this pass defense so bad? Devon Hamilton is a superstar, and they use him at nose tackle. He can even play he can two-gap or three-technique also. Second-year guy out of Ohio State. He's very, very good. I thought it was a wasted pick because I listened to some people. Oh, you should have read my scouting report oh, on yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. You know, and I loved him. Yeah, he, he 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 can move. He's 330 pounds, dude, and he moves Super like he's 280. Yeah. Right. And uh, they know him very well. He, they coached him at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. They made a move for Malcolm Brown, who Charlie Strong coached in college at Texas. He's a, So you get two 330-pound two guys right there, right? They've gotten really good play out of guys like Adam Gostas, uh, an Australian cat who was here last year who's really played well. Dewan Smoot has played well when he's been given the opportunity to play it's a little bit built a little bit different than he was years ago at Illinois. By the way, shout out to Dewan Smoot for delivering this baby. Uh, I don't know if you heard yeah, the story. Yeah, it's a crazy yeah. story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's one of the great. First of all, I would have passed out. The, the brother, yeah, I know. I, they would have showed up a baby be, a year and a half ago, and I, yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, they they'd have showed up, and yeah. they'd have had to take all three of us to the yeah, hospital. Yeah, I but get it for the sure. Thing, <laughs> the, thing both, is, the, the thing is, is uh, he he's been he's been really one of their four or five best defenders. Uh, and then Josh Allen, say what you want to say about him numbers-wise. He's played really well the last three weeks for him, a top-ten pick. Josh Allen is very stout against the run, playing on the edge. He comes down the line, and he causes a lot of a lot of havoc. Uh, so the problem with the, the coverage, they've invested. I think Dave Caldwell used four picks on defensive backs in 2020. This year. They traded for Shaq uh, Griffin, or they signed Shaq Griffin in free agency. They signed Rashawn Jenkins in free agency. They drafted Tyson Campbell. They've used so many resources on the defensive backs, they can't cover. They 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 can't cover anybody. I, I you know Shaq Griffin has played well. Uh, I think he's a really good number two on a very very good team. Uh, but they're paying him like he's the number one. They don't have a number one, and they used the like I said the thirty third pick overall on a guy who probably should be a number three or number four. And it doesn't look like he has the ability to change that because it's the same stuff. If you, I probably read your scout report on Tyson Campbell and he probably said he didn't have no ball skills. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't hard to identify. Anybody that watched Tyson Campbell knows that he's long athletic and can't find the football. Right, and it's the same thing here <laughs> yeah. now. So yeah. um, it, it, they just it, they always seem like they're a day late and a dollar short when it comes to covering people. And, you know, you can chalk that up to a new staff for a while. But then after that, no. At, at some point, you're like, this is what it is, and they need to get uh, exponentially better at that position. It's that wonderful time of year again, Tony, where there's a lot of sports on TV. You've got the NHL and NBA seasons that are underway. We're halfway through 
the NFL season. College football is on like every day now that we get matching on Tuesdays. And so if you like to bet on sports, bet online remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated website and sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked on from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC. They've even got Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. Have you ever tried to scoop that last bit of salsa out of a bowl, and right at the last pivotal moment, the chip breaks, the chip disappears into the salsa? Your hand plunges deeper into the bowl, and you're left with the dreaded salsa knuckles. When you're stressing about whether or not we should go for it on fourth down, it's the last thing you need. Well, I have a solution for you. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips knows that the purpose of a tortilla chip is to successfully deliver dips from the bowl to your mouth in one delicious piece. Their chips are sturdy, corny, and live to keep your knuckles clean. That's because their chips are cut and fried from real tortillas, while most chips on the shelf skip this step. On top of that, their delicious flint corn is organically grown in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market today and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. All right, we want to run through it real quick here in the third segment of Locked on Jaguars, and we thank you again for making uh, us and Locked on Bills in the respective markets, your first listen every day. I'm here with Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and of course, Locked On Bills. I don't want to start reading all your jobs, man. You got like mm-hmm. 17 titles. That's it, man. brother. Just <laughs> draft stuff and, and talking talking uh, bills on the podcast, man. I know it, right? So we'll make some predictions for the game and how they get. I think the game's going to go from uh, the Jaguar side. Look, two of the best halves they played this year. Well, three of them were against the Bengals. They almost won the game. The Cardinals, they were winning at halftime. And uh, the Titans, they played really well. And those are three of the best teams right now, according to power rankings in the top 12. They're three of the best teams in the league. Uh, I think for a minute the Jaguars are going to show up a little bit because I think they're going to look up and the Bills Mafia is going to be in the stands, and I think they're going to take it personally. That's what they, they seem like that's what they do. And a lot of bad football teams do that for some reason. They get up for games that they shouldn't. Um, but eventually what wears them down is the fact that the Bills can make too many big plays. Josh Allen is uh, – this is Josh Allen versus Josh Allen, by the way. Yeah. Josh Allen is uh, he's mobile, and he's going to be able to extend plays. And, and eventually uh, – I don't know if Knox is playing. You can let me know. But the tight end has killed this team, too, over the years. So um, if the Bills are able to extend drives like they can, keep the Jaguars' offense off the field, and uh, do what they do. I expect this to just be a cumulative effect where they, just to, they sort of wear them down. And I'll go Buffalo 30, Jaguars 16. Well, you mentioned how Jacksonville has gotten up for some of the tougher teams on their schedule. And I think that's a role that the Bills have embraced. And I think it's an understanding that you are one of the better teams in, in the league, one of the best teams in the AFC, and other teams want to – be where you are. They want to be regarded to where you are. And um, Sean McDermott really preaches that message about respecting every opponent. And I know the Bills are favored to win this game on the road pretty handily. But when you consider the the games that the Bills have played, and I mentioned the schedule earlier in this podcast already, they've handled their business against teams they're supposed to handle their business against. I mentioned 40 to nothing over Houston, 35 to nothing 
over Miami uh, on the road in, in Florida week two. And so um, the big wins have come against the teams that the Bills are supposed to handle. And I think that's a testament to a lot of the stuff we've already talked about with how focused this team is and in, in the culture and wanting to prove it every single week. They, they say things like, it's a week-to-week league, and that humility in the NFL is one week away. And these are these are buzzy phrases that the Bills live by, and I think that's contributed to a lot of their success. And so uh, last week against Miami, coming out of the bye, they were pretty sloppy in the first half of that game. They put it together at halftime and really pulled away and wound up uh, winning by a couple of scores. And I think that the Bills will come out with a little bit more focus this time and, and ready to to play the game that they want to from the outset. And one of the one of the messages from Coach McDermott this year has been, we want to be two-dimensional on offense, and we want to make other teams one-dimensional on offense. And so the mm-hmm. Bills are going to come out aggressive. They're going to come out and try to score points and uh, put the Jaguars in a hole and make them a, a you know a team that has to pass the football. And then when you know that the other team has to pass the football, you pin your ears back, and you get after that rookie quarterback who has not played well against the Blitz this year, who has not handled pressure well this year. And I understand that the offensive line has some holes and that he doesn't have the weapons, and he's a rookie. So that's not an unexpected thing to say, but... When you can get the Jaguars to be a one-dimensional team and get Trevor Lawrence away from that play action, which has been a big benefit to his game this year, uh, he's third in the NFL when it comes to completion percentage differential with and without play action. Right, It's a big benefit to what he does. And so I think the Bills are going to really be focused in on trying to make Jacksonville a one-dimensional team and tee off on Trevor Lawrence and meanwhile try to score points early. And so that's a reasonable script for the Bills. And if they can convert in the red zone, which has been – a challenge for them. They were three out of four against Miami, but you know, before last week, they had been a, a team that struggled in the red zone. In fact, that's why they lost to Tennessee. Yep. They, they had those two early opportunities to score touchdowns, came away with two sub 30 yard field goals. All of a sudden, you're winning six to nothing instead of 14 to nothing. And then a 76 yard touchdown run from Derrick Henry later, you're losing. You're losing yeah. the game. And so yeah. uh, you got to cash in. And so, um, and to Jacksonville's credit, they've been really good in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone this year. And so, look, it's it's about the Bills putting putting it all together and um, and handling their business. And I, I think it's a reasonable expectation for me to believe that they will. Um, you got to stack wins. You know, they're still hungry. Obviously, they have a lot to prove. They always have a chip on their shoulder. And so, I think the Bills will win this football game. Um, I've never done a score prediction for a game, but uh, yeah. uh, I think the Bills can. The Bills will probably be in the 30s. I think I think that, man, I think it's just a bad matchup for Jacksonville, both from the perspective of Trevor Lawrence and what he's where he's been successful this year and the challenges that a Bills defense presents under Sean McDermott and tons of talent at every level of the field. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, the Bills throw the ball. And, and Jacksonville's allowing 8.2 yards or net yards per passing attempt. They're allowing 113 passer rating to opposing quarterbacks this year. Now you got Josh Allen and Steph Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and Gold Beasley to deal with. Like that's a tough assignment, and so I'm I'm not trying to come in here with a pumped up chest and like wow the no. Bills are so good. I'm just yeah. being honest about what these teams are, and well, um, yeah. this might be an embarrassing soundbite in a week, but I feel really good about the Bills being able to score in the 30s and keep Jacksonville under 20 and, and win this football game. James Rapine, with, uh, who hosts Locked On NFL with me on Wednesday, will tell you I picked Buffalo to go to Super Bowl, so. This is how I feel about him. And that's before I knew Russo was going to actually be as good <laughs> as he looked two years ago that's at Miami. Oh, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about a matchup that I can't wait to watch. It's Jawan Taylor, the right tackle for, for Jacksonville against Russo. Because 
I love Taylor, uh, had a high grade on him, and I think he's kind of coming along nicely, but uh, really athletic, physical, long-arm type blocker. And so I'm anxious to see that matchup with Rousseau. That's going to be a fun one-on-one you know, battle there between – you know, two really talented players out, out of the state of Florida, right? He's so. a great he's a great run blocker, but he has really, really struggled against guys that can turn that corner. So we're going to see. You can check out also the Peacock and Williamson podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock is an NFL analyst, and Matt Williamson is a former NFL scout. So they put those two things together, man, and they come up with a really, really great podcast. It's the actual uh, one of the cornerstones of the Locked On uh, NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure you check that out and subscribe. This has been real, man. I got the chance to chop it up with Joe. Joe's always busy, and I'm always busy, but this has been fun. So uh, I hope the Bills Mafia come. Look, let me tell you what happened last time they came down here, okay? They, mm-hmm. went, to one, they went to one of these suburban neighborhoods. Down. As a matter of fact, it was my old neighborhood. And it's upper middle class, and they went to one of the wing places. Absolutely. I ain't going to say they destroyed it, but they ran out of wings and they turned over tables and all of this stuff. And, and they had a good time. Tell them to pick the right neighborhood this time because people laughed at them. They said they chose the wrong neighborhood. They tore up a suburban they tore up a suburban wing spot, man. So they actually had a great time and they behaved real well when they were down here the last time. But they come when I tell you and they don't take planes. They drive their trucks. <laughs> they drive their trucks with salt on them, bro. They you, come down here. I'm telling you. You you uh, offer some Western New Yorkers an opportunity or an excuse to get down to Florida in November. They're gonna they're gonna get down there, man. They're gonna and, get and, down there, hey, bro. And they weren't at the airport. They drove pickup trucks. It was like it would, we haven't seen trucks with salt on them, and I know where the salt comes from. Yeah. you know the the snow, man. So that was a lot of fun. As was this Joe, and we thank you here, and we're glad to do this crossover for you guys. You guys do what I always say, man. Make sure y'all take care of each other, and we'll see you next time.